This is the Gospel Revolution. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. On a weather of the wild, love's been knocking from within. You are the love you seek. A perfect day you need. Here's the founder and president of the Gospel Revolution, Michael Lilborn Williams. Hello, Daniel Thomas Rouse. Uh, I am here in a now. See, I, now that I know this, I'm going to have to repeat it a lot because I like it. Coming to you from the Queen City. <laughs> <laughs> We told you last week that the queen would be back. Yeah, and <laughs> and here I are. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good uh, good evening. Um, how is your day going? And are you ready for a uh, loop around the gospel truth here? I am. Uh, it is a good day. And, uh, you know, this is a highlight of my week coming here and you know, we come together, Michael, and we sound like we have this all planned out, and uh, we get a thought out, and it rolls very nicely, and it sounds, but I think we might let out a secret today that, you know what, a lot of this is done off the cuff, <laughs> yeah. and you're just coming in, and you are seeing me and Michael do a Bible study, and uh, we do this on air and off air, and uh, the one that we record uh, and it always seems to come together quite well. Really does. We uh, do uh, have to come on and uh, kind of set a framework. So let's see, what is the goal? Where are we? Where did we finish off, and where do we start? Uh, we do that, but uh, that's just so that Daniel can get his little chain out and put it around my neck. And- <laughs> jerk me around here and again because he can blame it on that we had this plan to do so uh, at least we've had this uh the direction we're going planned so it's a lot of uh it is a lot of fun and the vast majority of it that will come out today that came out last week and all of the weeks before are things we just have not thought of yeah and uh, and especially now that we have such a vast uh, well of information where we've already dipped our toe and we've jumped in and we've swam and now uh, going on to other things. It is beneficial to us to um, uh, to really uh, be able to understand what's going on in things that we have never applied this to. I don't know why this came to thought when we were talking about that, but I remember a piece of advice that I received from Larry Huggins as a young minister. And uh, he used to tell me, and he told me this on numerous times. He says, Daniel, you need to study the word of God, not for a sermon, but you need to study the word of God to be used by God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Now I'm going to get to, um, (laughs) <laughs> rehash just a minute the name that uh because i i we probably i know we've mentioned it but uh the irony of ironies is that uh the man larry huggins uh whom uh our 
and I will say our Daniel Thomas Rouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Daniel Thomas Rouse was his right-hand man. He was the guy who carried the coat. He was the guy who uh, lived in their home with them. He was the guy who moved to be there for them so that he could carry out his ministry. Now, Daniel came along probably a few years after this, but Larry Huggins from the Word of Faith circles and those particular brand of churches, especially the churches that I ministered in in Canada, was the one who went around personally and warned all of these pastors not to have Mike Williams in (laughs) and uh, shared, uh, told them things that... weren't true that were true but it didn't make any difference whether they were or weren't the goal was to stop me from doing what i was doing mm. and now uh, uh uh here daniel is uh he has uh he has turned coat as they <laughs> said back during the revolutionary war and uh, not that this is a war between me and Larry Huggins, but I just, there is a devilish sense of, <laughs> <sighs> and I can't help it. It just feels good. I got Daniel. So. What's the saying they have? Karma is a bitch. Yeah, I'm telling you. Jeez. <laughs> if one believes in such a thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll believe anything just to milk this a little bit. Uh, but uh, so for you guys that are listening that did not know that, uh, uh, I've had uh, several uh, serendipitous situations like that happen. I just got a call this past week. From uh, a, a man that uh, uh, bless his heart, he he broke and cried three times on the phone, uh, mm. telling me he had not talked to me in uh, over twenty years. I'm I'm trying. He was telling me a certain time frame, and I was thinking later that it had to be before that because he was involved in the time when I was speaking for Andrew Womack and Marilyn Hickey and Dave Duell and all of the Colorado thing was blowing up in the air and people were so excited and the leaders of those churches were not quite so excited mm-hmm. and the duplicity that was going on behind my back i knew it but everybody only knew it from my point of view and then i get this call from decades before uh this uh, beautiful man uh weeping on the phone telling me mike we're out here we're still we're still listening and i listen every week so uh hello mm. um uh kevin we appreciate you kevin has agreed to do a show with us and we're going to go into we'll probably set it off to the side it's not like something that we're wanting to do as a gospel revolution uh power cast uh, just as a gospel revolution history. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin has agreed to uh, make himself vulnerable, really, to uh, the backlash that could possibly come because he's got the inside story on because he he was 
Andrew Walmack's tape guy. I'm, I, how many oh, tape guys tape have guys. I got? Yeah, I know. <laughs> tape guys and pastors. I know. It's just like if you do the tapes or if you pastored the church, you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here was another one. And um, so he told me about what I knew had happened from my end of the story. He filled in the behind the scenes story as to when my tape was destroyed. And how that Andrew actually was beginning to teach things that he had learned from me and then had to have those tapes destroyed because he was his finances were threatened. My God. And uh, then with Marilyn Hickey, oh, my gosh, you're not even going to believe what was going on uh, in the offices of Marilyn Hickey. Both of these two ministers, Marilyn Hickey and Andrew Walmack. Uh, uh, gave their entire staff, both of them, gave their entire staff the option of resigning uh, or being fired if they agreed with anything that I taught. And uh, th therefore, their entire staffs were, uh, they were, they, uh, uh, most of them quit. Uh, Kevin is one who quit before he went to work in uh, Marilyn Hickey's uh, uh, prayer ministry thing, and oh my gosh, the uh, is just I didn't even like hearing it. It's just devastating to hear uh, what was going on behind the scenes in that situation, and. Um, uh, the the, the I, I'm I'm speechless. So instead of stuttering through this, we're going to have Kevin come on, and we're going to record a show about the history of the Gospel Revolution pertaining to Andrew Womack, Dave Duell, who has passed away, and uh, Dave Duell's wife Bonnie now is an avid uh, Jim Richards follower. Mm. And also, Andrew Walmack and Jim Richards are buddies. I just watched a video of them the other day, and you know Jim Richards was the one that wrote the 31-page, 32-page diatribe against me. All of these, and that's where Jim Richards is, uh, the, the school, uh, Impact Ministries, is the one that gave me my doctorate. He's the one that made me uh, Dr. Mikey. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a doctorate from a school. Uh, that wrote a 32-page letter against me as though <laughs> this somehow became a surprise to them. Uh, but the problem with all of these is that none of these, all of these people were enlivened and on fire mm. by the understanding of the truth. And then they saw the financial consequences. Mm. All of them saw the financial uh, consequences uh, Andrew taught uh, on uh, the uh, the issue of the second coming, which he had learned from me about that particular issue, and uh, uh, some of the congregation accepted it. The rest of them said, "If this is where you're going, we're not going there with you." Yeah. And TBN told him, "If this is where you're going, we can't support you." So uh, this has been an incredible history folks, of the impact of the gospel revolution 
And then, of course, the thing that made it so easy to throw the gospel away was that as a uh, gay man, it was easy to throw me away. Mm-hmm. So if it was that easy to throw me away, all they had to do is take the gospel that impacted their lives, which was now impacting their finances, and throw it all away. Mm. And throw it all away, they did. Uh, Joseph Prince, uh, another one. Goodness gracious, the list goes on and on. You know, I am convinced, Michael, if you were born in another century or perhaps in a different nation, uh, you probably would have been hung from a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Burned at stake. uh, You know, who knows? Uh, If I would have been born 100 years from now, goodness gracious, uh, I'd probably be the Billy Graham of my time. But uh, I am I am existing in between worlds right now (laughs) Uh, between a world that existed that is falling apart so rapidly that you can almost hear the collapse taking place. Mm. And the building of a whole new world that the uh, the fakes and the phonies and the uh, yeah, but let's do it this way. Let's let let's hang on to this, and that's what myst- mysticism does. Is they're still trying to head on, uh, hold on to the vestiges of religion and make it just sound more personally spiritual. And we're not what they were, what that was. But I'm sorry, folks, you you guys that are taking those positions, you are that. Mm-hmm. You still support that because these guys won't have anything to do with me for the very same reason the other guys would not have anything. And blaming it on that they disagree doctrinally. Yeah. And uh, it's like Kevin told me that when the, one of the guys told him, says, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, we've learned this great message. And now we've found out that this man uh, is not, uh, goodness gracious, he's a gay man. So we have to we have to distance ourselves from Mike Williams. And Kevin will give you his full name and stuff when he's ready. And Kevin told him, says, but is, isn't that legalism? Mm-hmm. Isn't that just legalism that you can't accept something from somebody just simply because of who the messenger is? My goodness. But uh, this was a time of uh, 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 unbelievable upheaval. And um, uh, you, you've got to realize I was so deeply embedded into the Word of Faith movement. And was at the apex of all of that rise long before uh, um, Kenneth Copeland had an idea about becoming the first billionaire preacher. Of course, that was Jesus that told him he was supposed to do that. All before all of that, they thought I was the next biggest, latest up and comings that there was, and mm-hmm. uh, I got I got the you know cards from Gloria Copeland and. I got letters from Carlton Pearson, and uh, you say, well, what did you do with all that? When I realized how fake and phony all of it was, I threw it all away. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't need somebody's validation to prove that what I am saying has some merit to it. Wow. Uh, I need those like you who are listening right now whose lives are being uh, transformed. 
to give merit, not an approval in a letter that I got from Carlton Pearson saying you're the latest, greatest, and you know, uh, better write a book because if you don't, somebody's going to, and uh, or or from any of them that uh, we had all of this. And no, I don't have the card from Gloria Copeland saying that they had they had required the entire uh, Kenneth Copeland Ministries to uh, listen to the Grace series that I had done. And uh, and then watch all of that. Just it's like they got burned. They saw Kenneth Copeland Ministries started teaching every January was Grace Month. They had decided they 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 couldn't figure out how to incorporate grace into their doctrine. <laughs> so they made January Grace Month. We're going to start out every mm. year teaching on grace. Then we're going to go back to the legalism just to give some credence to grace and then move on. And they lost money in January Mm. and they stopped. it. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that uh, don't know what's happened, and that's just one tale in the big city. All of these are just single uh, things. Goodness gracious, these stories could go on. Uh, for days, and and especially from our listeners right now, who are now, what has happened is that many of our listeners who were involved at that time, th- th- those stories are coming to the surface. Now, I want those stories recorded, not for my sake, because I already know the stories, but for those who are going to be coming to understand the gospel they need to understand there's a history of this and that what they go through as they embrace the gospel is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, forgive me for uh, 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 comparing myself. God knows I'm not uh, comparing myself to Paul, but uh, I think it was Paul that talked about, you know, why are you acting like some strange thing has happened to you here? Mm-hmm. We've been through this. Yeah. Uh, we got thrown out, you know. And uh, anybody who embraces the gospel, uh, especially Paul's gospel, uh, as uh, we got pushed back from a really wonderful person, from what I can tell. Uh, and the thing that I loved about getting the letter from uh, Mickey is that we, uh, and, and I hope that all of our response to her was gracious, because I, I don't have any need to be anything else but gracious uh, toward Mickey. And, um, uh, I mean, for, uh, many years in my life, I was the one who got the song, Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You're really fine. But I, I ain't so fine no more. So. <laughs> so I think Mickey's probably used to getting that song. So we'll let her take it. Uh, folks, there's a lot happening in the world mm-hmm. surrounding the subject of grace. It is being preached. It is being denounced. It is being fought against. It is being exalted. It is being taught. It's being taught against. And you can't have the month of January to present grace and then go on and teach your legalism. Mm-hmm. It is obvious which one's going to go away. Uh, legalism will will always snuff out the light of God's grace. It will always, it always has. There's nothing grace or graceful or gracious or grace teaching about Kenneth Copeland Ministries, Marilyn Hickey Ministries, 
Andrew Walmack. Yeah, I know Andrew says grace, 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 and uh, but he doesn't teach any of it. And Jim Richards is the same way. All of these guys. And uh, I know people say, boy, Mike sounds like sour grapes. No, it's just grapes. They're not. <laughs> this is just the fruit of what has happened. And uh, we're just recounting to you to please remember that uh, I understand what it's like. And that there's, I've talked to so many of you guys, and it's hard for you because you still want the fellowship. You still want the getting together. You still want. And, and so many of you, you've just had to agree to have family. You've had to agree not to talk at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I understand that. But the one thing you don't have to do is feel as though something strange has happened to you. This has been going on for decades. Mm. There was a time when I can guarantee you there was not a single ministry that was openly broadcast, openly taught that grace was anything other than what you got saved by. And then you put grace away and then you live by legalism. You got to keep your salvation. You can lose it. You can't lose it. It's a, but grace was only a subject that was taught about how you get saved, how you turn around from going to hell to going to heaven. That's all by grace. Everybody agreed on that. But because now that's a horrible interpretation of grace. Number one, that's not what we were doing, but that's what we thought we were doing. So grace got a complete wrong definition. Even when I first did my first uh, teaching on uh, grace, it was called grace, God's ability. And which Jim Richards later wrote a book, stole my title. But it was called Grace, God's Ability, and I taught how that grace does not take away the law. Grace gives you the ability to obey the law. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Witchcraft. Uh, but, y- you know, you have to learn. I was learning, and that's uh, – uh, and man – and but see, it was that message that ignited and sent me into the stratosphere of the Copelands and uh, the Hagans. And yes, I spoke at uh, uh, at Kenneth Hagan's uh, school and church with Norval Hayes, and uh, on down the line. And and yes, the Copelands were amazed with me. And yes, and yes, and yes. But it was because I was I was able to say. The reason all of us word of faith people are struggling so hard is we don't know anything about grace. And everybody went, oh, my God. Oh, finally. I mean, it was like I've described it as lifting somebody out from under the water. They've been there waiting for a breath of air. And I started breathing a little grace in my system. And I became one of the most popular speakers in the whole movement. my problem was I kept learning. And if I could have stopped and built a church around that and uh, uh, hid like uh, uh, many numbers of them uh, are hiding now, uh, uh, and, and goodness gracious, they were hiding then. I mean, uh, a, a lot of people who were gay and in the ministry, I 
frightened the hell out of them because somebody actually was had quote come out. And I did come out. I was not exposed. I came out. And uh, now there was an attempt to uh, do that, uh, but they never come up with an accurate story. Mm-hmm. It's like I was able to say to everything that they said, I was able to say, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. They were some things that was true, but they just never <laughs> found out about it. <laughs> And uh, goodness gracious, the um, uh, so all you, all you have to do on that count, uh, Christians want to believe lies. Yeah, in in uh, uh, in embracing a lie, they have to believe lies to keep the lie going. Mm. And so all I'd had to do is just say no. I just kept saying no. That's that's not true. That's not true. And uh, then came the time where that I sat down with my family. They were the first to know. And uh, uh, I mean, it was, did I do this well? I did not do it well. Believe me. Goodness gracious. I mean, how do you, how do you come to grips with reality in your own personal life when the, uh, the involvement of your life has now created a family that's created a ministry? There's people around the world that listen to me. What do I do? Did I do it uh, with uh, grace and charm? Uh, far from it. Uh, it was it was a sloppy mess, and I don't know that I could have done it better. I just didn't have the wherewithal to do it any better than what I did. And uh, now I'm seventy years old, and none of that makes any difference. It's like so maybe I should have just kept everything a secret till nothing made any difference anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Anyway, I do not know how we got down that rabbit trail, but uh, uh, Daniel's been sitting here smiling at me the whole time, and I've been waiting to see him frown or something, but he hasn't, so it's it's all his fault that I've kept going. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone. (laughs) So for those of you that are part of the GR, and I still have wonderful friends, Daniel, that they don't like hearing me mention the fact that I'm a gay man mm. because they love me and they mm. know that this can hurt who hears and who doesn't hear. And I do get that. But folks, I cannot, after what I did and damaged so many lives and led as at least part of uh, a lot of young men's uh, uh, suicides at the time, uh, by living a life that was a lie through the legalism that I was under, I, I can't just keep going and pretend and and get all the benefits of the gospel and not tell the truth about myself. Uh, believe me, I wish this understanding of grace had come by someone else also. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many times that I, that I wished it. I sat back. And I wondered what it would be like to sit and listen to somebody teach the gospel of grace and the gospel of peace. And uh, it was uh, it was decades before I got to do that. And but I remember the time. Uh, I can remember the time I can take you <laughs> to the place where I first heard grace. And uh, but it was the first time that I'd heard it from somebody else, and it was in Canada. But um, uh, and they were speaking for me, 
they were one of my guest speakers and I, but I just couldn't believe that's like, my God, this is just, this is amazing. Uh, I, I had wondered what it would be like to sit and listen to the gospel message rather than to, to, to preach the gospel message. Now, some are saying, well, that's awfully arrogant of you to say that you're the, I'm not saying there was nobody else that was teaching and I didn't have ears that heard anybody else teaching mm. that all were made righteous, that the end of the world had already come and that, that there was no future judgment that, uh, there was no existence of uh, a place where people were going to be punished, that all had been made righteous. I'd never heard that out of anybody's mouth. And uh, now the mystics have picked up on part of that, but they still leave you struggling with the issue of sin. Mm. By redefining sin, they leave you struggling with sin. Duh! Leave sin's definition alone. Because if you leave it alone, you have nothing to be concerned about about sin. If you change its definition, then sin is still alive. So uh, we're very careful to make sure that we accept the teachings of Paul uh, about sin, that sin was the uh, unbelief passed on from Adam, and it's also disobedience to the law. And Jesus carried the unbelief, and he did away with the law. So there is no such thing as sin. And not only did he do away with that, he also instilled in the entire human race his own righteousness. He did not impute righteousness to us. He made us righteous. Mm. And so it is. We must leave you, family and friends. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Some of the family and friends already left us already. <laughs> you know, when we, we brought out that contrast last week, you know, um, thanks to Mickey and um, her comments on the Apostle Paul, is that there, um, I remember you and Don did that series, The Two Views of the Good News. Yeah. Um, and one isn't any good news at all. Um, but uh, understanding that there is, there is a different gospel out there. That's yeah. no gospel at all. And, uh, I, I shared that last week. I think it was that I saw that, uh, as I was leaving the word of faith, I remember I was sitting in the international convention of faith ministers conference wow. and the president was standing up and he had a, written a book about grace and his, on the first page, I don't know what they call that, but it's just one statement that's, I guess, supposed to summarize the book is exactly what you just said. It was uh, God's grace is God's ability in order for us to keep the law. Yep. They, and yeah, that they was got it. it from me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, you saying that made me remember that I went to Tulsa and I spoke at one of those meetings. Mm. And I remember the only thing I remember is that the room we were in was like a, a theater stadium type place. Yeah. Uh, the stage was down low and the seats were all up and around. And I spoke in one of those. I don't remember a thing I said. I don't remember uh, who was there. I just remember now that was the name of this group. And it was probably one of its first meetings. Mm. And Larry Huggins was probably there. So. Yeah. 
Well, I hope you don't mind, uh, you know, my trip down uh, uh, memory lane, or as uh, Robin Williams called it on one of his shows, down the amnesia lane. (laughs) 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 But uh, this gospel revolution has a glorious history to it, folks. And I feel as much an observer of it as you do. I don't. This thing that had me at the epicenter of this is it, it's mm. an, it's not a real world to me i mean uh, uh i go shopping for chicken strips at Publix, you know <laughs> and, my, <laughs> and you know I, I try my best to get to the gym to keep my 70 year old body from falling apart uh the, but the the view that Kevin's call the other day did something to me in that it was like, my God, mm-hmm. all of this is real. This all really happened and more. And uh, this issue and, and me coming out with uh, uh, grace, God's ability. And uh, that that's where, those guys stuck and that's when the the bigger mm-hmm. meeting started happening was that teaching on grace that gave people the breath to say yeah. god's going to help me do it god's grace is going to help me do it i can't do it in of myself but by mm-hmm. the grace of god i can so it gave people a little room to breathe in the word of faith movement and i i please forgive me Basically, all I did is breathe life back yeah. into the Word of Faith. I remember you telling me that when I was still pastoring, is that um, that I would see as I started preaching grace, uh, almost an ignition to the Word of Faith doctrine, because grace uh, mm-hmm. and taught that way has the ability to ignite uh, the Word of Faith doctrine and healing and deliverance and money and all of that. Yeah. And oh boy, <laughs> I sure did. Yeah, it sure got people excited. It's like now we know how to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like mm, no, thanks for playing. Yeah, uh, but it, it's that's not what grace is. Grace is a gospel revolution. Indeed, yeah. mm. uh, it is an understanding that does not support man's righteousness or man's anything. And the focus becomes truly what we claimed, Christ and Christ alone. There's nothing in the gospel except Mm. Jesus. Well, Michael, uh, moving you along, uh, jerk your change a little bit, but that was wonderful. I think we could have done a whole podcast on that. But there are some things that we do want to share. That letter from Mickey, um, we wanted to thank her again for sending that in. And um, I noticed Michael that she had taken that post in the podcast and shared it on her own page. Uh, She mentioned in a comment that she had some more to share with us. Um, So we are waiting. Uh, We would love to hear a response from you, Mickey. Um, But Michael, you did get a response from somebody, didn't you? Yes. uh, uh, From, uh, from her comments and also the show that we did where we mentioned uh, Mickey and, and, and Mickey, Mm. we count you as a friend. Uh, uh, We, I I think we have some things in common. It sounds like (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, you may count us as part of that, but I assure you that uh, there is not a shred of the religions of, uh, of a requirement on, uh, on the human race that we uh, teach or mm. adhere to whatsoever. So, uh, and we hope to learn from you. Uh, we, we really are open. I, it's amazing. I, we've we've uh, adopted the uh, position that we can learn from anybody. Yeah. So, yes, I did get a response to the show. Uh, we've not heard back from uh, uh, Mickey, and we look forward to that. But, uh, Daniel, uh, do you have that? I think I sent that to you, didn't I? Yeah. And who is this from again? Uh, this is from Robert. Robert. Yeah. And just in case, I'll, I'll get permission from Robert to uh, give out his last name. I, I don't like uh, uh, doing things where that I give people's uh, uh, names out. Uh, because we just don't know what type of situation they're in as to mm-hmm. whether or not it's, uh, uh, I'm telling you, making a stand for the gospel can affect every part of your life. It will affect you in nothing but a positive way, yeah. but it can affect every connection you have in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. So Robert Roke, hi, Mike, have only listened to about 20 minutes of the podcast, but the letter from Nick- Mickey sounds very familiar to smears Catholics give about Paul. Hmm. When first learning, I tried to find things on YouTube about Paul. Most were very angry Catholics saying the same things. James the disciple is murdered by Herod in Acts 12 and 2. James the brother was thrown down. Catholics cannot admit to James because they believe in the perpetual virginity Mm -hmm. of Mary. If Jesus had brothers or sisters, that is the end of Mary worship. More to it, but I have to go. Yeah. Wow. And I really enjoyed receiving that because he, a, number one, uh, this jogged my memory from uh, decades ago about doing a little bit of research in this. But Robert is correct um, that um, uh, Catholics, while they're not very vocal about it uh, because most Catholics that just go to church, they don't know the difference between uh, uh, Peter, James and John and Paul and Ringo. It's just mm-hmm. ritual. Yeah. And, but there are some that are very doctrinally involved in Catholicism. And if you get doctrinally involved in Catholicism and you uh, are into transubstantiation uh, that this is actually physically the body and the blood of Jesus. And uh, if you get deeply involved in Catholicism and you believe that uh, that Mary was didn't just have a virgin birth, that she never had any other kids. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, I'm telling you, you just have to throw out every writing of the New Testament by every author. There is nobody that agrees with that. Uh, now, Catholic uh institutions of doctrine uh do extreme uh uh go to extreme lengths to discredit paul uh because and to discredit that james was the the physical brother of jesus but i remember going through and it's like oh well i wonder about that and it's all the words about brother it means it means he was was his brother yeah uh the greek does support that here 
So, uh, but uh, but we do understand why that in the mind of the Catholic, they have to keep Mary a virgin. But that's just simply a, uh, you talk about a figment of someone's imagination. And then there is no better example of that once you believe something, mm-hmm. uh, you believe it. And that everything must conform to that belief. Facts mean nothing to beliefs. And let me tell you this, beliefs mean nothing to facts. Wow. You know, John Adams made the statement in defense of the uh, Boston uh, uh, massacre, the British soldiers, which he won that case for them. And they were acquitted of this of this massacre. Most people don't know that. But uh, one of the statements that he made during their trial was facts are stubborn things. Mm. And uh, we, we, we like to go with what we have as facts. Now, how do we determine facts? We do admit that we draw facts from the Hebrew scriptures. And uh, we're totally up for grabs about everything everybody else wrote, spoke. Uh, from the beginning of Matthew through Revelation, uh, if it does not substantiate and quantify, qualify, reflect, uh, uh, manifest uh, what the scriptures have to say about Jesus, uh, then all of those things are held in question. Mm. There is nothing in the scriptures that would give us any indication that Mary needed to be a virgin about anything except the birth of Christ. There, yeah. there is none. There is no indication as to why. But we, uh, what we do then is we get into what is called Mary worship, and uh, uh, so I and we have no indication, no clue that that's where Mickey is coming from. But we're just saying that that's what Robert saw was this very close uh, association with uh, uh, Catholicism, uh, uh, Catholic theology. Like I said, most Catholics don't study theology whatsoever. But if you do, you're going to be told how to discredit Paul, and uh, you're going to be uh, uh, have to have somebody, they will explain to you how that, especially the um, uh, uh, transubstantiation uh, that the that little cracker and that wine literally turns into the body and blood of Jesus because that is salvation. Mm. And uh, yeah, no, we don't go there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, so that was um, uh, you know, and all of these things that we get back from people, Michael, it just it just helps us to clarify the gospel a little bit more. And uh, it helps us to think about things that perhaps we haven't thought about in a while or think about an angle on something mm-hmm. that people um, haven't thought through. Yeah. And so we really do appreciate all the feedback. And we love your comments. We love the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, so keep them coming. Yeah. I, I th- one thing that uh, I want to revisit again about uh, Mickey's letter was that uh, her point about uh, Paul was was. Uh, true to a certain extent is that uh, Paul was never around. Uh, he never met Jesus. Mm. Those are all true statements, yeah. uh, except for 
uh, it wasn't Paul who wrote about his experience on the road to Damascus. He made reference to it many times, but uh, that was the uh, author of the uh, book of Acts that right. uh, recorded this as a uh, something that happened. And then it is spoken of um, uh, in uh, different parts, especially in Paul's defense when he was called before King Agrippa and uh, other things. So, uh, but the one person that is truly never had a conversion, I remember uh, uh, Don going through these with us about James, the brother of Jesus, that he never had a conversion experience. There's no, no, no example in anybody's writings about him uh, having a moment of belief. In fact, there is ample writings that say that he was absolutely said that his brother was a lunatic, that he had lost mm-hmm. his mind. And uh, there is no indication as to why that this man would have ever become the head of the church, which I would think would be a, a um, difficulty for Catholics because they say that Peter is the head of the church. But that ain't the way it worked out. <laughs> I mean, that uh, uh, as she pointed out, it was James that was in the temple. It was not Peter that was there taking up residence. And uh, from everything we understand, there was a throne room there and was mm. sitting in the seat of David uh, yeah. to rule. So that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, Michael, we have been also going through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and today we'll approach into John. And we have been looking at angels. Um, we've been looking at the angels' involvement in uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ or uh, lack of involvement in some of those things. Uh, we've been looking at angels' involvement in the ministry of Jesus. Um, And we have uh, briefly looked back into the scriptures to show um, uh, the angelic involvement in in just the whole story. Exactly. And I think Luke was, uh, I enjoyed Luke last week and wanted to expound on on one thing that as we've been going through the Gospels, we were specifically looking at the word angels. Um, But you'll notice if you listen to last week when we went through Luke, um, that there were times where there was a single angel involved in the story. Um, and most of those uh, we, we did mention. Um, there, there was a, maybe a half a dozen verses uh, in the Gospels, but all of them were tied up in the stories that we did mention. Yeah. Um, uh, for instance, in the, in the birth of Christ, when the angel came, there was a single angel that was giving this message to Mary and the name um, Yeshua given to mm-hmm. Mary. Uh, but then all of a sudden, all the other angels begin to uh, herd in mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with the shepherds and begin to announce glory to God in the highest. Um, that first angel and, had been going to the gym. He just yeah, <laughs> he ran ahead. <laughs> um, so as we've been looking through these verses with the angels, um, there are a few other stories where a single angel uh, was involved, but. Um, Our purpose for really going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is to compare the difference between the activity of angels, not only throughout the scriptures, but also throughout the life of Christ, and then compare that into the rest of the New Testament. And uh, how are the angels involved, or 
are not involved. And perhaps maybe that as we were all reconciled to Christ, as we were all um, alloyed into Christ, that perhaps the angelic realm was also part of that alloy process. Mm. That's what we are looking at. And um, it seems that the there, there's several of the verses that give us some wiggle room to think that. Uh, and uh, like you said, uh, one of them was after the crucifixion. And actually, one of the writers says that there was uh, two men sitting uh, in mm. the tomb. The other one says there was two angels. Uh, yeah. So at this point, have man and angels become indistinguishable? Uh, wow. So that's what we're looking at. We we know that uh, th- th- these are just things that we think about. We kind of hope that it's uh, <laughs> uh, because all we're doing is thinking out loud here. We we enjoy doing that. We drag you along with us. But the in the entire uh, this really began when we looked at the First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen in uh, Paul's description of that there's certain bodies. There's the body of a fish, there's a body of a bird, there's a body of this and a body of that, and making sure that we understood that each had their own glory, but they did not, they didn't share glory. Mm -hmm. There was no shared glory um, until he comes to the celestial and the terrestrial. And what we found out is that those words, celestial and terrestrial, simply means heavenly and earthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the only place that it gets translated as celestial and terrestrial. And it simply says that even though the glory of this one, the earthly and the glory of the, the uh, celestial have become one. Yeah. A miracle. This is mm. the miracle. Uh, this is the fish bird, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, the thing that can't happen did happen. Yeah. The thing that wouldn't happen did happen. And that is that the the celestial and the terrestrial became one. So I think that we are on, uh, solid ground as far as having inquisitive minds, uh, and inquisitive minds want to know. Uh, so how much of the celestial, how much of the heaven, uh, we've, uh, ferreted out the word heaven and we have realized that the word heavenly is always connected to what has manifested here on earth out of Mm. heaven and earth being one place that is heavenly. Heavenly isn't in heaven. Heaven is heaven and heavenly is here. And uh, that has been very consistent that we've been able to ferret that out. Yes, our lives are that boring. All right. So, <laughs> uh, some of you really don't care about where the angels are, but we do. We, we want to see the total resolve of the power of the gospel. Uh, we also uh, were able to separate a third of the angelic world from the part that may have been uh, uh, superimposed. God, I love that term, Uh, Mm -hmm. the term superimposed, and that's the term that's used there is 
that uh, that one is laid over the other to the point that the, you can't distinguish one from the other. You can't Ooh. tell the difference. I look in the mirror and I tell you, I can't tell if I'm looking at a man or an angel. I'm just, <laughs> it's like, nah, well, it depends on what time of day it is. When I first wake up in the morning, I'm looking at a man. A little later today, it's like, hmm, a little more, it looks more like an angel now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, th- this is of great interest to us because dualism is destructive. Dualism is religion. Dualism is uh, the thing that has held civilization back. Any place where dualism has been set aside, civilization makes progress. Mm. Whether it has anything to do with religion or not. When, when people start looking for solutions for uh, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. When they start looking for solutions on the medical field and they don't care whether it's going to be a black man, a white man, uh, uh, a brown man, uh, uh, or somebody that lives in uh, India or uh, somebody that lives in Pakistan, it makes no difference to them. When their singularity, of research based on the 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 singularity of mankind itself then progress is made that we mm. know now when they start trying to use these things to make a difference it ends in catastrophe i.e germany hitler hitler started using uh eugenics and the identification, it's all right to be able to identify the difference. But DNA now has uh, proven to us <clears throat> that on the genetic level, there really is no such thing as race. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is utterly amazing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go and look up Ken Burns' uh, documentary on uh, uh, genes, something the gene. It's, it's, I can't remember the name, but it's on genetic. And uh, it, is, it is profound. And these guys, the more they learn about genetics, the more it is affirming the gospel and creation itself. Mm-hmm. It was the study of genes that took them back to the point that they realized we all came from one set of parents. That only happened 10 years ago through study of genetics. But did they mention anything that there was a book on the planet that said that already? <laughs> uh, that, no way. And where did they identify that the first set of parents lived? Mm, about 200 miles south of uh, where the Garden of Eden was located. Uh, <laughs> getting a little close there for comfort, but they couldn't place it there. So they placed it just a little south in Northern Africa. Uh, and instead of uh, uh, the described area, which really does pinpoint Iraq as the the country that exists now uh, in that place, this is a very powerful thing. So we need to do this. Why do we need to do it? Because everything that smacks of indicates promotes uh, uh, dualism 
on any level, whether it's between God and man or angels and humans, uh, spiritual and uh, not spiritual, all of these things lead to, uh, number one, not only a lack of progress, but destruction always Mm. follows. When dualism is followed out, it leads to destruction. Now, it, uh, this is falling right straight down into our politics. We've got to learn how to carry out politics without hatred. What is hatred? Hatred is a sign of dualism. That's, I, I can't think of anything else. Uh, uh, folks, there's got to be a way to have a political view without hatred. Mm. It's, it's just It's got to come. Uh, and, and there'll be people who hate me because I even said that, you know, we want to hate, you know, yeah, but if that, how do you keep from hating so-and-so on this side? And how do you keep from hating so-and-so on this side? I just do. I just do. And it has nothing to do with my persuasion about my own views about politics. Dualism, where you see yourself as so different than somebody else that it gives you the right to hate them, you're in a trap. Mm -hmm. You're in a, let me say, ungodly, as we would use heavenly, you're in an ungodly trap. This is not something that is resulting from the nature of the gospel because the gospel eliminates dualism. Let me say it 1,000 times and just let me put X 1,000 at the top of this statement. Uh, The uh, dualism always creates destruction. Mm. Dualism always, every time, creates destruction. Now, here's one really unique thing is you almost never will hear me use the words never all the time, everybody always. Because people who use those terms prolifically are in dualism. Because you see, every everybody is everybody does this. If you're that, you do that. If you do that, then you're this. If you're a man, you act this way. If you're a woman, you act that way. Uh, you know, it, and, and uh, folks, that's nothing more than dualism. Because that on its face can't be true. Uh, There's no two men that I know that act and think the same. There's no two women that I know that act and think the same. Uh, Yes, but there's some basic differences about us. Yeah, but those differences are physical. And yes, there may be a difference in the way that we think. But you can't say they are differences that always are there. Mm -hmm. They just aren't always there. So let's save ourselves from this. Let's stop this uh, affirming dualism while trying to get people out of dualism. Uh, Believe me, I'm watching uh, how I say these things, and I'm not turning it into a dogma uh, because I certainly fall into it. Uh, 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 many times I had uh, uh, somebody point out to me about saying that somebody committed suicide and that we should uh, that the better way to say that because that indicates they committed a crime and uh, the uh, that the way to say it is that they succumbed to suicide 
man, that just fits so well in my thinking. I don't want to accuse somebody. Uh, if if I, uh, I attempted suicide three times, and I know that things can go to such a black place that uh, it's and uh, if you if you've never been to that, thank God you do not understand somebody coming to that point in life. Mm-hmm. That's been decades since that has been uh, anywhere near my life, and I am so grateful. But uh, the issue of what happened to the angels, it's not a frivolous subject. Uh, where do they fit? Now, the reason, uh, let me follow up with the statement I began, the reason that we don't have to include the angelic, the, the uh, Lucifer and his angels, is because we have a concluded story about them and that they were destroyed. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is the position that the gospel gives us about Lucifer and his angels at the cross. So if we continue moving through uh, the gospels, Michael, um, last week we finished up in Luke, and uh, that would lead us into the book of John. And we only make it through uh, chapter one before we see the mention of angels. And uh, this is in the story of um, Jesus's uh, picking out his disciples. Mm-hmm. And um, he's going through this process and uh, he has that um, uh, experience with uh, Philip and Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. You know, remember when he said, I saw you under the fig tree. And, you know, because I said that you all of a sudden believe me. And we'll pick up the story there in uh, John chapter 1 and um, verse 49. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Mm. Well, uh, and now this was the beginning of the three-year ministry, uh, earthly ministry of Jesus. Could we we say that? Yes. Yeah, because the disciples were with him for three years. So so if this is the selection of those, then all of the ministry of Jesus fits in between the the beginning of of this uh, uh, and uh, going forward from there for the next three years to the cross. Uh, you know, uh, Daniel, I am reminded of uh, that 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 term ascending and descending, mm. ascending and descending. Now, what was going to ascend and descend? He said, "Now this is something new. You're going to watch something start happening now." Yep, the heaven shall open and the angels of God ascending and descending wow. upon the Son of Man. Up on, not just coming down, but up on the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. They were taking up their positions because the the final countdown had started. Yeah. It's the final <laughs> countdown. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> sings about the gospel. They just don't know it yet. This uh, incredible reality. Now, you've got to, of course, there's no way we can put ourselves in the mind of the angelic realm. Who 
Christ being mentioned before the foundation of the world and angels being created by God, it looks as though he may have created them strictly to to, uh, minister to Christ and to help bring about Christ's mission in bringing salvation to the earth. Ooh, goodness. Mm. I said way more than I got too happy in. So so is it important? I think we've established this is an important subject that we go into. Now, by by expanding that picture to that broad of a uh, venue, if you will, if angels indeed were uh, created by God to minister to Christ, that's what it said there, right? Yep. And uh, not only to Christ, but we have also other verses that we've gone into into that they were. The, uh, 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 what is uh, we had uh, one verse says they are ministering spirits. Yeah, that's the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter one, that they're ministering spirits sent to minister to those who would become heirs would become of salvation. Heirs of salvation. Now we know yeah. that the heirs of salvation are already accomplished. So yeah. um, this whole angelic thing, folks. Uh, oh man, when you begin to get the view of the angelic, uh, and you begin to realize they were created beings that were to minister to Christ and also to uh, uh, protect him, even if he dashed his foot against a stone, Mm. as even Lucifer knew and quoted to him. And uh, yet uh, something happened to him that was far worse than dashing his foot against a stone. Yeah. And these angels did nothing to wow. stop it. Now, I'm I'm just thinking about a whole host of movies where people become somebody's bodyguard, their servant, their protector, a daddy. You know, uh, <laughs> let's just take Daniel. He's got those two little girls there, and I guarantee. That Daniel would lay down all he knows of himself to be and exist in this world or the world to come. Uh, <laughs> if he saw his daughters in danger, I know what would happen. Mm. He would sacrifice his life for that without even stopping to think about it. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine Daniel being told now there's going to be an event that happens where that your daughters fall into a situation that uh, is going to be the worst thing you've ever seen, Mm. but you can't do anything to stop it. My God. Now, uh, I just, I'm telling you, when the big picture hit me, I had a whole new respect for angels, you know? And I had a a whole new respect for them, not because of what they did, but because of what they refrained themselves from doing. Mm. 
And even the statement that is made, you know, that uh, he could have called 10,000 angels uh, to help. And that's very true. And he wouldn't have even had to call them. Yeah. Uh, But had he called them, could they have even responded? Mm. Uh, Because something was happening that they knew had to happen. Now, they didn't know the day or the hour, Jesus, nor his angels, nor all the angels knew the hour. So I think we've got a teaching coming up in Canada (laughs) about that hour and Mm -hmm. this incredible hour that uh, they knew uh, some of what was going to happen, and so did Christ. But they would, uh, uh, they did not know the hour that that would happen. But it's obvious that this hour required that they stand back and do nothing. Uh, That's powerful. Yeah. Now, why did the angels do that because the whole plan was for salvation and then what does that make the work of the cross it was the plan of salvation and i just Mm -hmm. want to call people idiots for trying to water this down i didn't but i want to (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for trying to say that nothing changed at the cross well then you explain why the angels didn't do something to stop it. Mm-hmm. If, even if he dashed his foot against the stone. And that's written in the script. Well, as the devil said that, the devil was quote, quoting scriptures about yeah. Jesus. That the angels that were there to minister to him were to minister to him to in such a capacity that we can't even imagine. I mean, they'd have brought him food. I mean, they would have... Uh, the angels had the ability to run down the pizza hut and grab him pizza, you know, <laughs> however you want to put that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the power of the restraint. Uh, these are words that I don't know that has been spoken before. The power of the restraint of the angels was greater than the power of everything they had accomplished throughout the history of creation to Mm. this time. Mm. The power of their restraint, because the scriptures said, that he must die because the scriptures said he must suffer because the scriptures said that God would see the suffering of his soul and would be satisfied. Mm. And we could just go for the next hour and say, because the scriptures said about the crucifixion and for you guys that are, are uh, minimizing the crucifixion, as just being, oh, no, man just did that. You can place it wherever you want. 
you're going to have to explain why the angels didn't stop it then. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that you got to do some explaining to do. Uh, uh, this was not uh, something that uh, the angels would not have had an ability to stop, and yet they didn't. I think maybe the angels are a little smarter than our mystic friends. They knew this event had to take place. They, when he was having his beard ripped out of his face, they didn't do anything about it. When he was falling under the weight of carrying this cross to Golgotha, there wasn't an angel that lifted a finger to help. As Jesus went to the cross and they drove the nails into his feet and his hands, not a single angel withheld the hammer. When they t- took that cross and they chucked it down in the hull and his whole body dropped against the strain of those nails in his arms and his hands, the angels didn't put a pillow under that to lessen the, the pain of that thing falling into that hull. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not a one came to say, we're here to help. The power of their restraint is the most powerful act of any angelic realm that has ever been displayed on the face of planet Earth. And they had the ability to do it, Michael, as you were sharing that story. I remember when Jesus was preaching and all the mob got mad at him mm-hmm. and they led him to the edge of the cliff. And the Bible simply states that he just walked through them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, how do you think that happened? Exactly. <laughs> you know, he, they, he was the center of all of their attention. Everybody knew what he looked like. But all of a sudden, as they were about to stone him to death and throw him over the cliff, yeah. which is how they stoned people on that day. Um, that somehow he just disappeared. He was able. He just walked right through. Spirited himself out of there, and uh, I, I think his angels were there. Why? Yep. Because it was not his time, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to show restraint. Uh, and so they did what they did. I don't think shame is the best way to learn, but it can be a way to learn. And if there's anything that our mystic friends should be ashamed of, it is saying that the work of Jesus, it it could have happened to anybody. Uh, That's shameful. Uh, That is as close to anything that has ever been preached that is anti-Christ doctrine that I know of. Uh, these things were prophesied about, told about, and we were told what they would accomplish when they happened. And for people to be able to develop their own view about that, I don't want you to experience shame. I want you to experience a true change of mind, a repentance, if you will, which means change your mind. Uh, but Al Vitale keeps telling me, Mike, they're not going to change their minds. So. 
but uh, uh, we see this as such a trap that we are doing our best to keep anybody else from falling. Uh, this is a powerful moment. Now, uh, the thing that we don't want to leave out is that there's only one other place where that ascending and descending angels in an open uh, way is mentioned in the entire Bible. In fact, the words ascending and descending only show up four places, and we found two of them. Yeah, the other place here is in the book of Genesis, and uh, it's referred to many, many, many times as Jacob's ladder. Mm. Did Jacob use this ladder? He did not. Wow. So it's just a song, huh? Yeah, it's just a song. (laughs) Um, That's Genesis chapter 28 and verse 12. Uh, Well, I'll back up to verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. So he came to a place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. What a pillow. Yeah, goodness gracious, a rock pillow. (laughs) Uh, Verse 12, then he dreamed, and behold, the ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending Mm. on it. (laughs) Now, what in the world were they doing? Just coming down to play? If we keep reading, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, uh, folks, uh, this was a long time for a dream to wait to be fulfilled. Yeah. But Jesus has explained to us the dream called Jacob's Ladder. Mm. It wasn't Jacob's Ladder. It was the angel's ladder. Yeah. There is no other place in the scriptures uh, or in the New Testament that talks about an open window coming to where that angels would begin to use a super highway, if you will, coming from uh, heaven to earth and earth to heaven and heaven to earth in this uh, uh, unstopping procession that started at the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm. And that window stayed open. For three years until the crucifixion. Now, I don't know if the window was shut. I don't know if the angels were spared watching all of this. I don't know if they were standing around. But the one thing that we do know is they did not lift a finger to intervene or to stop the crucifixion. The angels were smart enough, having existed with God and Christ since before the foundation of the world, to know that what was about to happen and what was happening 
even though they were capable of stopping any moment of it at any time, just one of them. And all the host of heaven refrained themselves from intervening to accomplish the seed. They had been protecting this seed since, the, since creation. It, it, it's the manifestation of the seed. And, and as Paul said, we're not talking about seeds. We're talking about a seed, which is Christ. And that Christ, through that seed, would produce a redemption that would bless the entire inhabitants of the entire world, every single person. Um, you may have never heard this taught on before, that the manifestation of Jacob's dream happened at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm. But it did. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> and there's more to come on it uh, when we get to the revelation. Uh, Michael, as you were talking, and I just give a little teaser here that uh, Revelation chapter 8 talks about a, about an hour, about a half an hour of silence Ooh. in heaven. Mm. And if you want to mark your calendars for that, because <laughs> we're going to be silent about it until then. <laughs> uh, March 24th, 25th, and 26th, we're going to be coming to you with the revelation uh, for our winter Calgary virtual global grace conference. So mark your calendars, Mark. March 24. 25 and 26 and talking about miracles taking place me and daniel keeping our mouths shut about this is the biggest miracle since the foundation of the world so <laughs> <laughs> and michael just to conclude our search here before we go today and we have read this uh once before we actually ended on it last week but just so that we are thorough and going through matthew mark luke and john about the involvement of angels the last one we see here is uh, John chapter 20 and verse 12. And it's at the tomb uh, when Jesus uh, raised from the dead. And it reads, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels mm. in white sitting, one at the head and the other at mm. the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? So she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when they had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there wow. and did not know it was Jesus. Wow. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, we want to track this story. <clears throat> as closely as we can and know what can be known. We do not uh, have uh, any assertion to think that we are going to find out everything that needs to be known. Uh, but with your insights, we might, mm. but it may take Mickey helping us out. Yeah. Uh, it may take Robert helping us out. Uh, it may, it may, um, take Ethan helping us out or Glenn or anybody uh, that uh, might 
uh, be able to. Uh, uh, something has happened to a lot of you out there by listening to this. Something has happened to you, and you've thought, "Oh my God, that means this." Oh my God, that verse or this story and things that you've encountered that we have not encountered. So um, keep those cards and letters coming. If God can use a jackass, <laughs> he can use anyone. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, then get right at the end of all this, you call all of our listeners jackasses. Jesus Christ <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> well, it's not pledge drive, right? <laughs> And so it is, we must leave you, family and friends. If you'd like to know anything about the gospel revolution or place your complaint about Daniel, then call Michael on 832-318-9339. And speak to us about how you want to participate. Or go to www.gospelrevolution.com and hit the connect link. You can find us on your favorite social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Please hit that share, like, comment button on whatever platform you are listening. Now it's good night from Daniel Rouse in the frozen tundra. And it's good night from Michael Williams right here in the Queen City. (laughs) (laughs) We sure hope that you enjoyed today's PowerCast. And remember, we'll be here to do the same thing all over again next week. Oh my God. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. Unaware that all the wild love's been knocking from within. You are the love you seek. A perfect day you need. Right, gotta be nothing to complete it's not a thing that you need y'all the love just remember to breathe and take a second off look i'm just trying to remind you that you're perfectly Deconstructing religion and barbecuing the sacred cows of Christianity before your very eyes. You are listening to Gospel Revolution.